All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. Crazy weekend. Let's, let's just start with that. We've got our driver's champion and then so much more to discuss for what was the Qatar GP. And we are extra excited tonight to be joined by Alanis King, motorsport journalist, author of Racing with Rich Energy, which follows the Haas team throughout their 2019 season. She's host of the Donut Racing Show podcast, among many other things. So welcome, Alanis, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited. <laughs> yeah, we cannot wait. We're so excited to get to know more about you and all everything you're up to, which we know is a lot. <laughs> but let's start with Qatar. So we, Alanis, I think we told you before uh, we hit record here, but what we usually do is we go through our main takeaways of the weekend, and then we talk about our MVPs, our LVPs, and things along those lines. So We'll start there. Um, I'll go first, and then Alanis will kick it to you for your thoughts. (laughs) Um, So for me, absolutely wild weekend. I think we talked a little bit about this during the preview. This was only the second time racing here in Qatar, and I think some of those growing pains really showed this weekend, from track limits to revising the turns overnight to the kind of unprecedented three pit stop, you know, 18-lap stint rules. We definitely had some highs with Max's third world championship title. Oscar, I cannot wait to talk about his weekend, his sprint pole, his sprint win, P2 in the race. And then we also had a lot of sort of yikes moments with Stroll's behavior, the Mercedes incident, signs not even getting to race. So just sort of a chaotic vibe all around. And yeah, it was it was a lot to take in. So we have a lot to discuss. <laughs> it was so much. Oh my goodness. It was. All right, Alanis, any main takeaways from your side? Ooh, main takeaways. I mean, I think Max is done for the year, so I think Max naturally <laughs> should go race NASCAR now. Um, I, I think that would be the funniest thing in the world. Like, you won, just go do something else. You know, maybe go race, like, a spec series or something with compact cars. Go have a little fun. Um Big takeaways for me, I thought it was a really interesting weekend to see how tire strategy played out and how we're having this butting of the heads between two of the bigger teams. I mean, you have McLaren and you have Mercedes just fighting to be that number one driver and like the little politics that go on there. There's a lot going on. Aston Martin has so much drama. Um, Lance was in a horrible mood all weekend, which was Which we will talk about. We will talk about. (laughs) Fernando Alonso is going back to Fernando Alonso form. I feel like he was on his best behavior for the first half of the season. And now he's like, (laughs) I'm here and I'm going to act like Fernando Alonso now. You know, it was an interesting weekend overall. A lot of developments of things that have been building up all year, I feel like. That's very true. It was like a good confluence of everything that's been building. Um, I agree with everything you guys said. For me, it was like two ends of the spectrum on how I felt. One, like Tiki, you said, the growing pains, the sheer physicality of the race, like all of this stuff that happened so fast and there was so much drama. But then also like I was so happy about how Saturday went down. Like obviously they had to scramble a little bit with the track changes and a quick little practice thrown in. But the sprint was what the sprint is all about. Like we were there for it and – we got some amazing wheel wheel action. We obviously saw Piastri come out on top, which was really fun. And I think that's the entertainment that the people are here for. And we got it. <laughs> that's a good segue to MVPs. I'm going to go with Piastri for, for me. 
I just think the fact that a rookie is doing all of this is insane. And also this was the first time for him ever on this track. He just really seems to be finding himself in that car with the team. Some quick stats just so we can give him his well-deserved moment here. He's the first rookie to to lead a race in the last 10 years. First rookie to stand on the podium in the last six years. First to take pole in a sprint race as a rookie. And for the sprint, it's only McLaren's second win in 11 years. If you really count that as a win, I know it's It's an F1 event. It's not a full race, but Danny, obviously, in 2021 at Monza being the other. Wow. But then following that up with P2 in the race, just incredible. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the Oscar Lando dynamic there. And, you know, after we get through MVPs and LVPs, we can talk about that. But just chef's kiss for him and for McLaren overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with anything that you said. I'm also going to throw a little shout out into the FIA. They moved fast <laughs> after hearing all of like the Pirelli <laughs> tire drama and they, they moved fast, got a little practice session in and then obviously added the new rules around pit stops. So I like them taking strategy into uh, or strategy, but I like them taking safety into account when they're making these big um, changes. We'll also talk about shout out. Yeah, shout out to Pirelli too. I think it wasn't just the FIA. It really was Pirelli doing good work on Friday. It was apparently like really microscopic things that they were picking up in the middle of these tires. So it's it's pretty impressive that they were able to do that. What about your MVP? My MVP. Can I pick a weird one? Yeah, always. Of course. Daniel Ricciardo, <laughs> because Daniel Ricciardo oh. has the safety net of a team to go back to, and this man is just screwing around while he's injured. Like, he's going to <laughs> at the Bills game. game. He's at yeah. the Bills game in London. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, is that not? Oh, wait, I thought he was at a football game. I don't know sports. Yeah, yeah. Team. No, it is. Okay, it, it was, was a football was game. A football. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that a football game? I don't know. Daniel Ricciardo is just going and doing like sports celebrity stuff because he has a team to come back to once he can drive again and I think just like the security and the just like happiness I see in his eyes he he's an f1 driver who doesn't have to drive right now (laughs) it does not get better than that it does it does (laughs) not get better than that it is so much better to be an f1 driver who doesn't have to drive than to be sitting on the sidelines as the third place person waiting for someone to get hurt you know yeah totally that's where I'm at how about your LVP? Do you have one? Oh, <laughs> honestly, I was thinking about this and I had one on my mind, but then I switched to MVP. So I feel like you're going to have to come back to me because it was there and then it cycled back and I no, have to get all it good. Hopefully we'll be we'll able to. We'll probably refresh your memory. I think we'll have the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiggy, you go first. I had two. I'll start with an obvious one. I think Stroll's behavior was unacceptable. Like, I think I understand the frustration, obviously not firsthand, but I understand the frustration of not performing well, having a lot of pressure, just being in a situation where you're getting outperformed. Your dad's the boss. Everybody's saying that you don't deserve your seat. Like, I can't imagine how difficult that is. Yeah. That does not excuse or justify that sort of behavior pushing if that's really what happened your trainer being super rude to an interviewer like there are so many people who would kill for that spot it just yeah, I feel like it's true. so it's such a bad bad look so and that's mine own? that's my first one my other one was track limits I think part of just going back to like growing pain situation like yeah when 
every driver except for Max basically <laughs> is getting track limit violation, lap times were deleted, time penalties during the race. Like, is it the drivers or is it the track? I mean, there's some debate to be had there, but I do think that it's it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, I think track limits was definitely one of mine. Um, the oh, the tire situation was not not good at all the tire situation was really bad and I also just feel really bad for Checo right now I mean this poor man finished 10th and Max Verstappen is like 10 miles ahead of everyone and this poor man yes we got you this poor man is like barely in the points and I feel bad for him because when you are on this stage and everyone's criticizing you at every single moment like that's not a fun place to be. And like, it, you know, that's more of a pity vote for me. Like, I just feel bad for him. Okay, my LVP, I also have two of them, Tiggy. Um, I think Hamilton, like it was his, him taking out Russell was, I think, kind of a racing incident. Like, I think he realized that it was a bit of a mistake. But him initially just being like, oh, shucks, sucks to be taken out by your own teammate wasn't my favorite. And then secondly, which no one could really control, but these conditions were insane. And it was honestly scary to see the fact that these drivers had to go through all of these different things, which we'll talk about. It was scary. Yeah, it was terrifying. When you have someone throwing up in their helmet and someone retiring from the race because they physically cannot make it through among all the other things that happened, it's just, why, why? There's Mm -hmm. no reason for that. All right. So how are hot takes held up? I think I had said Logan in the points, which was a bummer. Oh, you have to keep saying that though, because it's going to I know. I know. (laughs) It'll happen eventually, I hope. But yeah, unfortunately. We're calling it loints. Like we're going for (laughs) loints. Logan Um, points. Yeah. It sounds like Lance points too. I I mean, either one. (laughs) I know. So like on the Donut Racing Show, we're calling Logan points loints and we're calling Liam points leoints. So I guess Lance points would be loints. Like it's just like the first two letters of the name. Okay, cool. That's good. Loints. I like that. Tiggy keeps wishing for lo- uh, lo- loins, loins. and got it. she hasn't gotten them yet. Um, I wished for Lewis podium, so that was rough. Lodium, luodium. Oh, uh, wow. We not, <laughs> we, we did not get that, but what I also did say for um, my hot take was McLaren on podium, and we had both of them on podium, so <laughs> nice. I'm bowing for that one. Alanis, did you have any hot takes or predictions before this race that did or did not come true? Honestly, I feel like we are so settled at this point. My theory about Formula One is everyone makes up their mind what is happening, and then that is just what happens. Like, everyone just accepts (laughs) this is where we're at. Like, if Ferrari decides we're bad, Ferrari is bad. If McLaren decides, McLaren decided halfway through the season, okay, we're going to be decent. McLaren's decent like everyone just sticks to the bit right and so (laughs) it's hard to have a hot take um I don't know I definitely expected Carlos Sainz to keep his like little streak going and then of course he didn't even get to start the race the poor man but I definitely expected that to keep going and I was a little shocked when we just were like nope he's not gonna race today but also it felt very Ferrari that he uh-huh. couldn't start and they hadn't been feeling very Ferrari for a while. So 
we got to get back to our roots. Back to the bit. <laughs> I think that's that's fair. The only surprise storyline that I feel like nobody like saw coming really was Aston Martin at the beginning of this season, but I guess it has returned to <laughs> status quo. <laughs> Everything lately. has kind of returned. I feel like though the one thing that does surprise me is a couple of times a year you get to see that big Lewis Hamilton mistake because he's usually yeah. not making mistakes and this weekend was one of the big Lewis Hamilton mistakes. He just Mario totally. parted it. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. He was not going to make that corner from where he was at. And he just sent it. And it was weird. Yeah. It's was- a rare, rare mistake from him. And I fully agree that that was 100% his fault. And yeah, I'm super glad that he rewatched the footage owned it a hundred percent shook George's hand. Like they, they seem like they're all good. I, I just loved how everybody was like, this is turning into a Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton, like 2016 situation. I'm like, let's like no. pump the brakes a little bit on that narrative. Maybe I think we're not quite there yet. Heat of the moment stuff. And like Lewis has apologized and said it's his fault. So I don't mm-hmm. think we're at that situation yet, but. And I think despite <laughs> having the incident at the beginning, like George f- fully went off the track too and dropped to the back, but he did manage to have an epic recovery drive, basically overtook most of the field, didn't get his podium because of like the slight nuances of tires and pit laps, et cetera. Um, but he was definitely driving like he had nothing to lose and really wanted to make that comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bummer. They were, yeah, they probably could have been maybe a double uh, Mercedes podium, but oh, well. It's always ugly when you take out your own teammate. <laughs> we talked about the George Lewis incident at the beginning um, that caused Lewis to retire, George to pit with damage, and again, amazing recovery drive, but unfortunately missed out on podium. We had so many track limit time penalties. Checo had multiple, Albon, Stroll, Gasly. It just felt like the entire field. And then, Chessa, what you were saying about the physicality of this race, like, multiple drivers going straight to the medical tents after the race apparently some even fainting there afterwards Ocon saying he was vomiting in his helmet on lap 15 Logan making the call to retire because of like extreme dehydration George said that even training in a sauna did not prepare him for this and that the cockpit he felt was getting up to 50 degrees celsius which is about 120 degrees fahrenheit Alonso wow. saying his seat burning. Like we could go on and on and on. Like Piastri laying on the floor in the cool down room. Like it was, it was really, really bad. So there was that, which we can talk about. And then we obviously had a max win. What else is new? And then McLaren <laughs> double podium, which is awesome. So P2 for Oscar, his best result ever in F1. Amazing way to follow up his sprint win. Also outperformed Lando both Saturday and Sunday. And yeah, we also have to shout out Alfa Romeo. Just we're doing the highlight reel before we dive into all this, but <laughs> go kill Joe <laughs> drove from last into the points in P9, Botas P8, huge double points for them after a long road. So happy for them. <laughs> but we have to start with the man of the moment, the man of the past three years, Max Verstappen. <laughs> a really long moment that he has had. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So 2023 drivers champion. Super exciting. What are what are our thoughts? What are our reactions to the way that this happened during the sprint and where this puts Max in history right now? I mean, I think I'm just happy that Max finally got to win on a weekend where people weren't being like really tedious about what happened that weekend. Because mm. I mean, 2021, obviously, you didn't have to be tedious to be 
just shocked by that, right? 2022, there were some technicalities. The weekend he won, even though he was going to win it anyway. Finally, we have a weekend where there weren't like technicalities on the weekend that he won. And <laughs> but he won on a sprint. But he won on a sprint. <laughs> I mean, Max is I I don't know. All three of his championships have come in weird ways, like on weird weekends, right? Like he deserved yeah. all of the championships, but they came on weird weekends. And so I just hope he can enjoy it without there being like some kind of hashtag like F1 rigged or something going on. Like Max, just have fun with your trophy. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's so well-deserved. And like Tiggy said, he's the only driver that didn't get basically the like track limit penalties. He's the, he's the best driver right now. And so he deserves it. And it's almost kind of a relief for me because my big trope this whole season has been, oh, like we have the same person winning all the time. Like I like to see things spiced up in the midfield, but now that's like done and dusted out of the way. Like now we can focus on the rest of the drama. And um, Tiggy had told us this stat earlier, but ESPN put out a depressing, this depressing stat that Max has won three championships since Lewis last won a race. So rough. (laughs) Talk about getting a lot done in a short period of time and not a lot done in a short period of time. What's so wild to me about Formula One is that Formula One just sticks to its decisions, right? We got to the end of 2021 and we got to 2021 in general and 2021, we have been waiting seven years for someone to catch up to Mercedes and like these cars to be somewhat equal at the front. And we finally got it. And it was like the most exciting thing in many, many years. And yes. then they're like, 2022, new car. Everybody else sucks. And it's like, okay, <laughs> great. This is and now everyone yeah. and now everyone's mad about it. But yes. it is like everyone historically and like it's kind of a trademark of of the sport, right? There is large, long periods of dominance from certain teams. And we get the extra fun of the development race to try to challenge that throughout a season. But you're right, like people maybe not Aston Martin, but like if you come in strong to a season, like hopefully you stay strong, stay on top, and Red Bull is doing that right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where, like, Max is obviously superb. He is the best driver right now. He is joining the likes of, for so winning three world championships, he's joining the likes of Nicky Lauda, Nelson Piquet, Arden Senna, Sir Jackie Stewart, um, and some others. Do we think he's officially a great? Like, where does he stack up in our minds and history right now? Like, his three championships, like, is that is that the bar? I think, yeah. it's, I think it's so hard to fathom when you're in the middle of it because when I think of Max Verstappen right now, I'm like, he's not even 30. Like, yes, he's going <laughs> to be a, a great, but he's not even 30. And I just don't think you appreciate it in the way that you do until that driver is older or Like retired. retrospectively, yeah. Yeah, it's very retrospective. Like, even now, like Red Bull is dominating so much and tons of people will say that's boring. I'm sick of that. You'll appreciate that in like 10 years. You will appreciate how good they were. And I feel like me right now, yes, Max Verstappen is great and he is a great, but right now I just look at him as like, he's not even 30 yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's we still a kid. Yeah. Forget how young he is. Um, especially cause he has like a kid basically. Um, but I think he is a great – like, I think his – even if he only wins three more championships for the rest of his life, like, this is it, the level of dominance with which he has grown to, like, this season 
is unbelievable. Like he basically had this in the bag many races ago. And I think the consistent gap that he always has, he just leads race with races consistently with just absolute amazing skill. I think that's history bookmaking. Yeah, I think what puts a fine point on it and makes me agree and not feel like it's, you know, predominantly the car is just having him benchmarked against Checo. Like mm. he is constantly outperforming. And I think, I really do think it says more about Max than it does say about Checo. Like Checo's definitely not had his form that he's had previously. He's lost it a little bit, but I do think it it speaks a lot more to Max's skills that he can just consistently be putting it on pole winning by so many seconds all the time yeah exactly when he has a teammate who's not up there most of the time anymore honestly so i was having such a checo come to god moment all day today i just kept thinking like why do they (laughs) why do they put checo on on the team yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a tough one tough one for me um do you guys think he's gonna get bored soon max i think max is bored (laughs) i think he is bored i think he Mm -hmm. needs someone to challenge him that's why he's up there not this weekend but other weekends he'll be up there 30 seconds ahead of everyone getting track limits warnings you know yeah max is I, i think max is genuinely bored and he wants a challenge and i respect that yeah it's great to win and it's great to be dominant but man to be the only one Ah, and he probably rough. wants to get better. And the only way you're going to get better as a driver is to have some good wheel-to-wheel action and have someone push you. Mm-hmm. Very fair. Mm-hmm. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch. But since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. Let's talk about Piastri. So obviously he had a great weekend. He there there have been some, you know, conversations about how Lando had been faster than him for a lot of the weekend in terms of pace, but Piastri obviously had better results both days. What do we think about that kind of dynamic, that competitiveness? Obviously, probably pretty hard for Lando to see Oscar get the first win before he did for McLaren this season. We saw some team order action during the race, which Lando was not happy about. So what do we feel about about that dynamic and how Oscar is performing, which is obviously incredibly well? I think it's a very odd dynamic because we go back to that push and pull to be the number one driver. I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing it at Mercedes. George Russell knew he had to come in with this extreme pushy personality because if not, he's going to take a back seat just like Valtteri did for many years. And Valtteri was a great teammate to Lewis Hamilton, but he was always the teammate to Lewis Hamilton. George Russell yeah. knows Lewis is getting older. I need to push to be the number one driver. 
Oscar Piastri comes in and he's like, I need to push to be the number one driver. And Lando's over here thinking, well, now I'm the old one. I, I want to be the number one driver. And they're having this like weird political situation where Lando comes across the radio and George Russell does this too with these kind of like, uh, they have attitudes on the radio yeah. and they're, they're playing politics and they're playing strategy, but like it's their politics and their strategy because they're trying to show I'm number one, I'm number one, I'm number one. And it's this very interesting push and pull. And I don't feel like I have a good read on Oscar's push and pull yet, just because I don't know him as well. Like I don't know his personality as well because he's newer. And it's yeah. very interesting to see Lando's personality change from just like, Haha, ha, I'm fun. I do Twitch streams to <laughs> let me let me be the one who is first yeah. on track. You know, it's a very it's interesting so personality change. I think it's one thing to be the number one driver with a teammate who has had multiple years in F1, a la Lewis and Russell, but to have to be number one with a rookie teammate, like I don't know how much of a threat you might feel initially. And I definitely, I think every driver in the back of their mind is like, I want to be number one, but I don't necessarily think Oscar went into it guns a blazing being like, I'm going to dethrone Lando. Agree. Because from what we, like we interviewed him and from what we gathered, like he's just super excited to be there to learn. Obviously he's learning and then executing incredibly well. Um, but this was an, a really happy weekend for him. I think if this is going to cause or start more of a, who's the number one driver debate, I'm all here for it. I love that. <laughs> and I was a little bummed that he didn't get as much airtime as maybe he could have, but he got driver of the day. And I think this is just the start of many more exciting, good weekends for him. Yeah. I think in terms of Piastri's personality so far, what we've seen is just insanely level-headed, calm, mature, something that you don't really expect from a rookie. You Which know, super, he's yeah. like, that is the scariest for Lando. Yeah. I mean, someone who is level-headed and calm and good at stuff. Oh, wow, that's scary. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree. So we'll see. I mean, I'm just super happy about McLaren finding their form again. They clearly have a really fast car. Both of the drivers are connecting to that car, feeling, you know, comfortable and confident there. So I'm super excited to see where they go. I think they'll pass... Aston Martin relatively soon in constructors and it's only up from there. <laughs> Aston's got a yeah. lot going on in the background. Oh, wow. They, they've got a lot of other things to figure out. Well, actually now that we're on that, what do you, what do we think about Stroll? I know Tiki, you said it was not good, deplorable, et cetera. Um, Alanis, what do you think of Stroll's future? I mean, do we think, and this is just me like completely making up theories do we think he's really stressed about his future just because maybe his dad's going to sell the team? Maybe something's going to happen. I mean, Fernando's been outperforming him like significantly. Do we think he is just reacting to a buildup of pressure throughout the entire season and it's just like bubbling up right now? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think that's very possible. And I do think that that would be a very elegant way for Lawrence Stroll to get him and his son out of this situation. So he doesn't have the uncomfortability of firing his son and, you know, selling. And what I'm referring to is him selling his stake in the team. I think that's probably maybe more likely than has been talked about. I think <laughs> but it's I probably could definitely more, see that happening. more likely than him 
firing his son. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. totally agree. I just it seems like it seems like the entire season is just weighing on Lance. I mean, he's had he's had all kinds of drama. I mean, he hurt his wrist, he did all of this stuff, and I saw like his demeanor when he was interviewed this weekend was yeah, very Yeah, it was unfortunate. It was very short. It was very it just I don't know. I felt like he needed a few more minutes to just chill before he went to the TV pin. Yeah. It's so hard. And you know what? He has had good like moments of being a great driver. Like, let's face it, every driver in F1 is a great driver. I mean, there's only 20 of them. But I do think sometimes to be the best driver is um, to have like the fine-tuned skills that don't necessarily always come with being in the car, but being like diplomatic and well-spoken and something that Lance was maybe lacking it a bit this weekend. Yeah, I mean, being an F1 driver, you spend 90% of your job outside the car doing like media, media PR, interviews, sponsor-related stuff. It's like the driving part of your job is just <laughs> less and less, I feel. Yeah. Um, let's jump to this sort of unprecedented requirement that the FIA put out of during the race, drivers had to stop three times, three pit, three pit stops, and no stint could be longer than 18 laps on a given tire. So the background behind this is that after FP1, as we were talking about a little bit before, Pirelli was doing their sort of typical post-practice review of the tires. And they discovered that given the curb impact of the track, particularly at turns 12 and 13, that was causing a really worrisome likelihood of tire failure much earlier, earlier than normal. So they were they revised turns 12, 13 overnight for the sprint. They were hoping to get enough data from that 19 lap sprint to feel confident in the tires but given the safety cars there were not enough laps at full speed for them to get enough data or make a good you know call or feel confident in the tires so then they instituted that rule but it Alanis, as you were kind of making reference to it made tire strategy super interesting and i think we all kind of respect to a certain degree how Pirelli and the FIA handled this. But what are our thoughts on on this? I mean, Gunther was pissed. He was like, this should not be happening. Obviously, Gunther <laughs> but, was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> our guy. He's always mad. Yeah. I, our guy. I think 18 laps is not that bad if you're going to mandate something for safety reasons. 18 laps yeah. is not that bad. Um, it. I was less focused on this weekend and more – thinking if we had a modern tire disaster so like the 2005 u.s grand prix mm. where no one could run on the tires and six cars started the race and that killed f1 at indianapolis basically um if we had a modern disaster like that would it have as much of an effect on the fan base as it did in 2005 and i was thinking about this and i was like is the modern psyche just so used to disasters that we care less? <laughs> like, I'm, Not yes. even used to. We crave it. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if six cars started an F1 race because everything was a, was a disaster, I would just be like, LOL, that's terrible. And then watch again the next weekend, right? It wouldn't really phase me that much. And so I was less thinking about the tire limits for this weekend and thinking more about how has our psyche as humans developed over the past 20 years and how would we react to something even worse? That oh, was I love I that that's thinking. where I love that that's where your mind went. Mine certainly would not have gone that. And that's why we have you on today. That's why. <laughs> that's I, Thank you. I love that. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about because I mean, that really did kill formula one at Indianapolis. It, it did. And then 
NASCAR, three years later at the 2008 Brickyard 400, had another tire disaster, and that killed attendance at NASCAR at the Brickyard. They used to fill out Indianapolis, and now barely anyone goes because 2005 and 2008, disasters were disasters, and we were just like, we're not dealing with that anymore. I don't know. I feel like if that happened today, I I would probably forget about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It probably wouldn't face me. I think the coolest thing about them doing that really fast this weekend was just like all of the the testament to safety that's happening in the sport and that continues to happen, I think is incredible. Like they made like pretty drastic changes, one changing the curbs to mandating the strategy to avoid like what could be a pretty disastrous. Imagine if a, a car blows out when they're running three wide, like that causes a huge backup and could be potentially, you know, scary accidents. And I think that was really exciting. And you know what? Like, let's challenge the strategy teams. Like, let's throw in the the tire strategy. I think it definitely threw, threw teams for a loop because they didn't know that at the beginning of the weekend when they start using their tires. And I think that's probably why you had people running on hearts when they probably didn't yeah. be running on hearts because they were doing three pit stops. Mm-hmm. I think the one, like, sort of ironic or maybe slightly hypocritical counterpoint to all of this is the fact that if we're really thinking about safety, why are we running a race where drivers are fainting, throwing up in yeah. their helmets? Like, you know, someone's literally complaining their seats burning. Like people are saying it's the hardest race they've ever done. Like, you know, obviously you got to be careful about the tires and make sure you're making the right call on that. But if you're really focused on safety, like let's look at all the factors here. Let's look at the conditions. Let's look at the heat. Let's look at the physicality. Maybe there was no way to know that that was going to be what the race was like we didn't see that as much in the sprint but yeah I think if you're so focused on safety you got to be looking at all the factors and not just yeah not just the tires. and ironically the, the the lap times during the race were like quality lap times they were super fast because one the track is repaved so it's really fast and it's really challenging for drivers to drive on a brand new track so that's another physicality aspect and two when you're doing so many pit stops you have great fresh tires more often and so you're going a lot faster and I think drivers were just pushing a lot harder and that's I think led to like a unfortunate comp and it was a sprint weekend. So you're putting so many more demands on the drivers. Like they probably shouldn't have done a sprint weekend with an extra practice at one of the more physically challenging races with the tires and the pit stops and the new service. And the second time ever racing there. (laughs) I just think you also have to take the climate and temperatures into account when you're making these schedules. I mean, I went to the NASCAR race at Texas Motor Speedway like a week ago and it was the hottest Texas Motor Speedway NASCAR race on record. It was 101. Wow. Was, and I live in Texas and it was miserable. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't have any fun. It, it was awful. And it was awful inside the cars. People were getting out of the cars at that race. And I think you really have to take that into account when you're creating, creating the schedule. You have to go to these places when their climate is less intense You cannot be going to Texas in September. You can like, we just can't have these hundred degree Fahrenheit temperatures at Qatar. You just, you have to figure it out. Yeah, I totally agree. Unfortunately, everything's just getting hotter everywhere in the world. So we're going to be contending with this (laughs) for a long time. For a long, long time. And you know, if you can run the Vegas race at midnight, maybe you can make the Qatar race later. So it's a little cooler. (laughs) Perhaps. Yep. Or just not racing Qatar. Sorry, I said it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, One more discussion topic, Alanis, before we talk about what you're working on. But 
Liam Lawson would love to get your views on him. It was his last race probably for now in F1 as Danny returns in Austin to much uh, fandom and celebration, I imagine. Uh, what's your take on Lawson, the AlphaTauri decision to sign Yuki, Danny, and then, you know, I guess we could throw the whole Checo seat question in here as well, given the Red Bull family. Curious your thoughts on all of that. I mean, I think it's been a really interesting season to watch Alpha Tauri because we started the year with Yuki and Nick DeVries and the car was a tractor, right? We're just all like, oh, <laughs> this car is awful. This car is a tractor. And then they take out Nick DeVries and they put Daniel Ricardo in and we see Daniel Ricardo get a couple of okay finishes before he's out. And then here comes Liam Lawson doing really well in this car yeah. that we thought was a tractor five months ago. And I think Liam outperformed. I think he did a really good job. It's again, one of those situations where I should probably seek out more about the driver's personalities. Like I feel like I should know more <laughs> about Oscar's personality at this point, but Really, I'm just paying attention to his mom because I like her Twitter feed. Yes, Nicole, <laughs> our, our icon. Nicole Piastri, <laughs> that is our girl. Um, I don't know much about Liam's personality, but his on-track performance has been really, really good. And Liam Lawson sounds like the front person for a boy band. And he sounds like, <laughs> like it just sounds like he's the one who's going to break off and do his own thing. And then the other four are just going to fall into obscurity. He's so, like the Harry Styles. Yes. I feel like Liam Lawson has a future because he is the boy band member who breaks off on his own. So he is the nineties yearbook photo. Like if no, anyone literally. was going to, you know, that trend going around <laughs> yes. with all the teens right now, that is Liam Lawson. I believe it for him. Please. I'll be sad. I'll be sad to see him go, but I think he did what he needed to do. And then some in his brief yeah. stint, that was a He'll very lucky. Yeah. So excited for him and we will see. Okay. With that, Alanis, before we wrap up, I think it would just be fun for you to talk about. I know our listeners would love to hear about what you're up to and what you have going on next. Oh, that is a great question. I just started a new job at a place called Cars and Bids. Yes. And Cars and Bids auctions off cars online from the 1980s and up. So basically what my entire job is I go and video cars that we are going to list on the website. So I do a video review of the cars. I talk about the history, what they are, why they're important. And then we post the video and we post the auction and then people bid on the car and then somebody buys the car at auction. And that's my entire job. I write scripts and I review cars and Cars and Bids is really great. They're letting me still do all of my motorsport stuff. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. So I wrote a book about the Rich Energy Haas Formula One team. As we mentioned, it's called Racing with Rich Energy. I think it's really cool. I think it was a fun story. And I get to do all of these other motorsport stories. I get to go to races and follow drivers around and write about them. And that's my entire life, basically. Dream. You're living the dream. It, nothing sounds better. It's, truly. It's really, really great. And, you know, hopefully I can do lots of that in the future and drive lots of cars. And that's kind of, yeah, what I do every single day. <laughs> okay. So we have to ask what's been the favorite car that you've reviewed or bid off. <sighs> okay. So I haven't reviewed too many for cars and bids. I 
Love the Lamborghini Huracan STO. I drove one of those the other day. <laughs> it's really great. But my favorite one I've done for cars and bids so far is the Cadillac CT5 V Blackwing. And the Cadillac CT5 V Blackwing is a four-door Cadillac sedan with 668 horsepower and a 16 <laughs> manual. And the oh my god! And it was bright blue. And the fact that you can buy a bright blue manual Cadillac with 700 horsepower in the year 2023 is wild to me. And I got out of that car thinking, oh my goodness, I love this car. And it was so easy to drive and commute in. Uh, I'm obsessed with that car. I want one of them, but I also want a Porsche 911. You know, I mean, <laughs> I also can dream. Yes, my I've driven so many good ones for cars and bids. I drove a Porsche 911 GT3 RS. Incredible car. It will literally just make you cry. Um, the only thing that I have against the GT3 RS is that I would want it in a manual and that particular car does not come in a manual. So I would get a 911 GT3 with a giant wing in viola purple metallic, which is bright purple. <laughs> wow, Not specific like, at all. Yeah, it feels we like you've it. never thought about this. <laughs> I, 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 I spec this car out all the time. It would have bronze wheels, bronze decals, viola purple metallic paint, and oh it God. would be the manual with probably yellow accents on the inside and the oh. big old wing. <laughs> wow. I do well, this if a we lot. Saw you, if we saw you driving down the street in that in Manhattan, we would know who it was. We would know you anywhere. <laughs> well, that's so that's so fun. And we love following you and seeing all the cool things that you're up to. And it's exciting that you have this new job. So thank you so great. much for having me. I like I loved this. I loved getting to talk about Formula One. I, I love that my job resonates. I love I don't know. I love showing people who are like still in school and young or yeah. old or anybody like, hey, you can have so much fun for a living. Totally. And I, I love it. I love what I get to do every day. Well, we love what you're doing. We love what we're doing. It's an incredible sport. To wrap up, we always do a radio of the week and a quick refresher on where we're at in the standing. So our radio of the week was Oscar Piastri. That was probably the hardest race I've ever had in my life. I think a speaks to what everybody was feeling <laughs> today slash yesterday and um, just good for him for getting driver of the day and all of that for mm -hmm. drivers. So it's done and dusted. Congrats again to Max on his third with 433 points. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm at Hogwarts talking about like the house points, but Checo 224, Lewis 194. So they're oh. not too far away. Alonso, uh, 183, Sainz, 153, Charles, 145, Lando, 136, and George, 132. So we have a tight, tight battle for the rest of the season here. And similarly for constructors, also done and dusted, but the fight for P2 through P4 rages on. Red Bull with 657, Mercedes, 326, Ferrari, 298. Aston Martin 230 and McLaren 219. Wow. wow. 11 points separating McLaren and Aston Martin. They are coming. So with that, <laughs> Alana, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll talk to you and see you again soon. And we'll chat with you all next week. Yay. Bye-bye.